Hey everybody, good evening. It is Monday at 7 o'clock p.m. I hope you are all uh, doing well. My name is Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder of BSTL. And what does BSTL stand for? It stands for Building Something That Lasts. So I want to jump right into it this evening. I have another great conversation for us to wrestle with as leaders. I've titled it or entitled this one, Moving the Needle Forward or Maintaining Mediocrity. Moving the Needle Forward or Maintaining Mediocrity. So one of the things that I have come to understand, and I hope you'll appreciate this conversation because I think at some point as leaders, we will all have to wrestle with what does it mean Uh, to move the needle forward. So what ends up happening is because no man or woman is an island, the reality is you will at some point in your career, regardless of where you're working, you are going to find yourself in a predicament or maybe a tough spot. And when I say tough spot, again, that's tongue in cheek because as leaders, we look forward to these tough spots because they allow for us to experience some things that cause us or make us, force us to grow whether or not we're ready for it or not. So the reality is, is that you are going to inherit an office from someone who has preceded you. You will have that office because either the, the, the organization is expanding, somebody has been fired, somebody has been transferred to another department, Or um, maybe you are now joining the team because there is something that you have to offer. Now, the challenge in that moment, once you've agreed that you're going to be moving uh, forward into some type of leadership capacity, is that you will come on the heels of somebody else that has been working there. And usually or often, this individual will have uh, done the job well. They have a certain structure. People know what to expect from them. They know how that individual works. And so therefore, when you are moving into this new uh, responsibility, this new leadership role, the truth is you are going to have to walk on pins and needles, eggshells, Uh, coals that are already heated, whatever you want to call it, you are going to have to walk gently, at least when you first start this new assignment. The struggle that we want to talk about today is how much of this thing, uh, walking the heels of your predecessor, how far backwards do you want to walk this thing? So let me explain to you what I mean. One of the challenges that you will have is that you will have to make a decision to either gut the thing that you are now doing or maintain it just as it is. And of course, I'm speaking from experience on this thing as leaders. uh, We move around. We have to try different things. We have to experience different things. And some of the moves that you will have to make, um, they will, you know, throw you into the fire or you will find out very quickly that what you're doing now, it's not as exciting as you thought it would be. And there are some leaders that have the philosophy that says, well, whenever you are moving into a new capacity, you have to take a certain amount of time to kind of settle in and see what's happening and gain some perspective and see what the culture is like and create friendships and partnerships and get to know your new team and the list goes on, right? I've only listed just a few of these things, but The reality is I now want to challenge some of this, right? Because I think sometimes, uh, how do they say it? Familiarity breeds contempt. 
I think that there's a level of mysticism. There is a, a, lever, a level of oohs and ahs that happen when you as a leader are now moving into a new type of responsibility where you have to lead individuals that have grown accustomed to a specific style of leadership. And it's tough, right? Because that particular individual will have skill sets that you don't have. Um, They will have done things that you have no desire to do, but some way and somehow you've got to be able to figure out how do I now take the reins of this new team and how do I get them to not just uh, function well, but how do I get them to the next level? And of course, this is where our topic comes in because you have to decide in that moment, are you going to be managing or maintaining the mediocrity Or is it your desire to move the needle forward? So this is where some of you might uh, disagree with me because there are many leaders that will say, hey, all you've got to do is just maintain. And especially if you have a desire to move up in the company, um, that may be your philosophy because the truth is you have to decide what is the hill that I may be willing to die or fall on my sword for in terms of what really matters to me. My... um, argument might be that no matter where you are as a leader, the moment that you are now moving into a new assignment and you have a team, and even if they are performing at close to 100% because there's never a team that is perfect, I don't know that I agree that you have to maintain uh, that which you've already inherited. And the reason why I say this is that no two leaders are the same. And even though it is true that whenever you have been mentored, you may um, pull some things and gravitate to a certain type of leadership um, because of the one that has taught you how to lead and there are different nuances and ideas that they've shared with you. They've given you some of their best um, leadership practices and you've seen it work for them. And maybe you've even used some of those ideas and they've worked for you, but long-term, who can sustain being like your predecessor or your um, your mentor? Because at the end of the day, you have to learn how to drive, uh, you know, your team, the organization, depending on what level you are in, you do have to learn how to figure this thing out. Because I think that while it's good for somebody to say, well, you remind me of so-and-so, you know, I think about great basketball coaches, you know, Phil Jackson and, and Pat Riley and some of the other ones, right? I'm not going to go through all the list. I think that it is a compliment when somebody might say, hey, you remind me of my favorite coach. That might be cool, but the reality is, is that if you are always in the shadow of somebody else, then the reality is nobody ever really gets to know who you are. And who you are is going to be a hybrid of many different things because nobody gets mentored by one person. And so even if we use the, the, the basketball analogy, the first time that all of us as leaders would have been mentored is not just on the basketball court. You've been mentored by your parents, mentored by your siblings, mentored by coworkers who may never desire to lead, but there's something about how they do what they do that really resonates and strikes you in a real positive kind of way. So my argument has always been, don't go in there and wait too long before you begin to do something because the longer you are in a particular capacity is the more likely you are to lose your edge. And when I say lose your edge, it doesn't mean that you're not uh, impacting 
or doing well or not a great leader, but the longer you are there, you become a part of the culture and to some degree, you lose a little bit of your objectivity. And so if you can and you're courageous enough and you have the type of support that is around you that will lend for you to try new things and fail and or succeed, but definitely you are learning and growing, go ahead and take a stab at it. Because when you take a stab at it, what you will find is that you will realize that there are some gaps, there are some blind spots in what the team has been doing. And so even though they may be thriving and doing well, there are some things that uh, they haven't done in the past because the reality is you haven't led there in that capacity before. And I've said this before in at least a couple of the podcasts, I don't think that anyone is created to maintain specifically uh, to the detail what somebody else has done before. I believe that whenever a leader shows up in whatever capacity, when they arrive, they will become a part of the change that is required to move into the next level of leading. So if you are a leader and you're nervous because you are walking in the heels of somebody else who has done an incredible job and people are still talking about that leader three, four, five years after their departure, don't be discouraged because remember, the moment that your predecessor leaves, that is a signal that it is now time for a new direction. And let me qualify that as well. When I say new direction, I'm not talking about changing everything. And I know that there are some people who go in there uh, and they just want to bulldoze every single thing. And, you know, there are even some leaders and maybe those ones are the ones that are a little bit intimidated by those who have preceded them. Some leaders have to be careful that when you get into a new speak space and you are leading individuals who really appreciated those that were leading before you, don't get everything erased just because you want to erase the history and the legacy of that person. Because what you may be doing is undoing the thing that is going to create the environment that is actually going to push you further forward and allow for you to do better at the thing that they've now left behind. Because here's the thing, if you stay somewhere for three or five years or even a decade in whatever capacity you are working with, whether it's a small organization or a large organization, I don't think that it's a compliment that somebody would say, well, they were very good at maintaining whatever it is that they had acquired or, or, or walked into. No, you have to say to yourself that if I am here, here's what I have, here's who I am. Here's what I know that I bring to the table. And so therefore, these will become some of the changes that I will be a part of. And this is why, you know, and we talked about it last week, this idea around the ecosystem, right? This idea that everything is connected in some uh, shape or form. What I'm also saying is, is that as a leader, when you are walking into a new assignment, whatever that assignment may be, you've got to look around the ecosystem and see who your leaders are, but also keep a keen eye eye out for those who perhaps may not have been leading before, but they're still in that space. And let me just say this. I remember one particular assignment uh, that I had 
uh, when I arrived uh, there and I became, uh, you know, part of the new leadership team, uh, there was an individual that they had such a really great um, experience with the previous leader that they were like, look, I don't want to work with anybody else ever again because this person, they embody every single thing that I would have liked to have done. And here's the truth. I wish I could have said that we would have gelled and, and we would have been able to work together and further uh, develop on uh, what I would have inherited. But the reality is that individuals like after uh, there was a transition, they were like, nah, I don't think I want to work with you anymore. And let me just keep it real. Uh, it hurt my feelings uh, because nobody wants to believe that somebody would not want to work with you, especially if they don't know you. But can I also say this to you? that when that person stepped away because they had such a great experience with um, the person that I was coming after, by them stepping out of the way, it actually created a new environment because here's what happens. So what happens is, is that when that individual steps away, there were individuals that didn't want to work with them. <laughs> I hope you're listening to me, right? And I'm not saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? So I'm also advocating uh, as one who believes heavily in uh, collaboration and teamwork and, and finding a way to, to, to work with one another. The truth is you cannot work with everyone. And so some of these adjustments that you will identify, especially when you are leading a new team, there will be some individuals who will fall away, but there will always be individuals that will now join in. Because one of the things that I've discovered is that because you have a your own uh, particular leadership style, there are some people that are observing you and admiring your style of leadership, while there are others that are like, no, I don't think so. I don't like that person because they're not um, aggressive enough or they are too aggressive and whatever it is in between. And that's okay because as you are transitioning, there will be individuals who will join in and join on that would have said, I would never help you. And when they transition into leadership and others are transitioning out to leader out of the, the leadership piece, then that also means that you're about to create something else that is going to become a new building block that reinforces the overall culture. So one of the things I've made is an observation, and I don't know that I agree with it uh, completely um, in part, and maybe I should just say what it is. Whenever there's an acquisition of a company, one of the things that you'll find is right away, whenever somebody comes in, they're going to fire the entire leadership team. If one person survives, that's a lot of people. I don't necessarily agree. I think that when you come in and you are now uh, uh, building a new team, you know, when you share what your mission and vision is going to be, you also have to assume that those that have proceeded, whether or not they were doing well or not doing well, I do think you have to give individuals an opportunity because they may not have been thriving under uh, somebody else's leadership, but with a new leader, with a new idea and a new style of leading, you may find that these individuals who may not have been doing so well, automatically now they begin to succeed and thrive. But part of what that is, is that you also as leader have to make sure as quickly as possible that you are able to articulate what your way forward is going to be so that before you begin to engage this team,
team who doesn't know you, doesn't know your mood swings, doesn't know whether or not you're a hands-on or um, hands-off person, they get to see that, look, this particular person, this is what they are um, desiring to do, and here's how I can get on board to help them. So let's talk a little bit about this moving the needle forward. Because I also have to be transparent with you. I don't know that there's a leader that accomplishes everything from start to finish, right? So they had an idea of something that they would like to do. And here's what 100% of this looks like uh, from a strategic planning or an organizational perspective. These are all of the things that I wanted to do. And this is the time frame that I would like to do it in. Sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Your job is not to bring the needle from empty to full, but your job is to move the needle forward, right? Um, my, my parents who are of Caribbean uh, descent, uh, Jamaican, uh, I want to just give a quick plug uh, to Jamaica. Uh, my parents have a saying uh, that I completely agree with, and I'm sharing it with you here if you've never heard it before. And it goes something like this. You should never allow someone to come back and find you where they left you, right? And of course, they would have done it with their uh, broken dialect a little bit, so I'm saying it the English way, but those that are of Caribbean uh, descent, uh, you understand that saying, because the reality is, in order to move the needle forward, you are going to have to move some things. You're going to have to change some things. You cannot do the same thing over and over and expect to see different results, so if you are a leader, when you come into the place, you might say, okay, here's the plan that I have. But weeks and months into this thing, you realize that the team that you think you're inheriting, you're not getting that team. And so the plans that you may have in terms of moving the organization forward, it's not going to happen because you are not at the right timing for everything to become actualized. And so you've got to be able to do what it is that you can, even if you don't finish everything. Because in my experience, one of the things that I've learned is that you, you don't always get to complete everything. There are some times where you may want to do some things, but you, you don't have another year. You don't have another 10 years. You have the moment that you have. And so therefore, once you have completed your time, you've got to figure it out or trust the process of growth and development and strategic planning enough that you can also leave behind some of what you were intending to do. And that's why as leaders, look, and this is a hard thing, right? Because whenever you you become involved in, in, in an organization, timing is everything, right? And one of the things that I've discovered, and I said this in a previous podcast, so maybe I'm sounding redundant now, is that there will be times where you put in a certain amount of work and energy and you may feel as though you're fighting an uphill battle right and you didn't get to accomplish everything that you wanted to and then boom somebody comes behind you and they didn't have to do you know the legwork that you had to do and because of the work that you've now done it just seems as though they've been able to move everything faster but guess what it wouldn't happen unless you were building some of the blocks that they've now inherited. And as a result of them inheriting um, some of the growth based on the work that you've put in, they're not starting from scratch. They're adding to that which you've already done. 
So one of the things I hope you're doing as a leader, no matter where you're working, whether you're an entrepreneur for yourself or working for an organization that has tens of thousands of people, don't think that you have to move the needle all the way forward. You just have to move it far enough forward so that the person that comes behind you, they'll be able to build on that based on what you have left there. So here's the last thing, and then we're done for this conversation. So uh, with this new diagnosis that I have, I've had to hit the gym. And I'm not necessarily a gym person anymore. Uh, I ruptured my Achilles years ago. And when I ruptured my Achilles, I just kind of like eased off of doing a lot of heavy pounding, which, you know, moved me out of, of being in the shape that I would like to be. But I'm back in the gym now. And um, at the uh, the space that I'm working out in, um, I like it because it's a, it's a real community feeling type of space, right? So you've got these gyms where people kind of know what they want to do. They go in there and they lift their weights and they leave. Well, this is a place that has a little bit more happening there. There's more things for the community. Um, there are different people that at different levels uh, and abilities that come to the space. There are people that are really young that are there playing basketball. And then you have people that are a lot older that are just doing laps around the track with their their canes. And uh, some people who have some, you know, uh, mobility issues, they're in there with their wheelchairs. I love it there because it really gives me more of a sense of what life really looks like, right? Like not everybody is at their peak or at their prime. You've got people that are at different levels of development. So what happens is they have the ability to kind of cut the space into like three different um, parts uh, and, you know, they can drop this curtain down, which allows three different events to be happening at the same time. So what happens is on this particular evening when I arrived there, they've got this one group uh, of ladies who are doing some exercising and stretching with light dumbbells. Then beside them is another group of individuals who have um, some um, uh, abilities that don't allow for them to um, process information as quickly as other individuals, but they're in there kicking a ball around, um, having a really good time and working on their motor skills. And then in the next section, there's another group that's also there at the same time, but in their own section. And it's a bunch of kids who are, you know, learning a little bit about gymnastics. And so they're leaders and trainers. They are there helping them to do front roll tucks and jumping over boxes. And here's what I discovered, you know, in terms of watching the three different groups that have three different um, levels of, of development. What I discovered by watching them as I'm doing laps around uh, this indoor track is that based on where they are developmentally, the style of leadership, it just changes, right? So what I found is for the kids that are very, very young, they look like they were between the age of three uh, to five, uh, their instructors are like right with them, hovering over them and encouraging them and helping them to tuck in. For the other group where there's some neurological challenges there and maybe they weren't able to pick up on things as quickly as others, uh, their trainers were not as, you know, in their face. They kind of gave them some room uh, to breathe and to enjoy the time on their own. And then, of course, with this other group, which was predominantly um, with a, a bunch of women that were doing these exercises on the mats, their leader was completely different. 
they weren't necessarily uh, going from person to person, but what they were doing is they were shouting a lot of instructions from the front. And at one point, that class, they were kind of, you know, moving a little bit lazy. And she was like, I expect that you are going to do more. And she was shouting a little bit more. And she was like moving around and you could see the intensity. And as she did that, Everything started, you could feel like the uh, momentum started to build in the room because as a leader, she's like, look, this is not okay. I expect this from you based on where you are and where you are able to, to go from here. The same thing in the middle group. This is where they are. This is what I expect. And this is how I'm going to deal with you. And for the last group with the kids, same thing. Because of where they were developmentally, every single leader in that room had to adjust to those that they are working with. And maybe this is what I'm saying to us. As leaders, we have to make sure that while we are trying to push this needle forward, that we are clear on those we are working with and clear on what we bring to the table so that we don't leave there um, dissatisfied um, because we have an expectation that is unreasonable based on those that we are working with. But as I always say, it always comes back to the mission, the vision, and the core values. Because when you truly are clear as leader where the organization is going, and then you have an understanding of those that you are working with, you can set a pace that is reasonable based on who you are working with. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you want to talk a little bit more about this, please feel free to send me a message, um, an email through bstlinc21 at gmail.com. My name is Andre Anderson, and really all we're trying to do is build something that lasts. And I hope you never get to a place where mediocre is the standard because we have to move the needle forward with whoever it is that we have inherited to work with because guess what? They will also have to adjust to us. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you all next week, same time at 7 p.m. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share so that we can get this message out there. Take care. Until next time, my name is Andre Anderson, building something that lasts. Bye for now.